in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Antonio Inoki. One giant Baba. One fortnightly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Hands of Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. This is episode 241. Those are wrestlers. For all those people out here listening who don't know who those two guys are, they're wrestlers. Mm-hmm. They're f- famous Japanese wrestlers. Legendaries. You know, there's a... Uh... There's going to be a lot of wrestle talk this time. There's going to be a lot of wrestle talk this time. This is, <laughs> this is just a warning. This is going to be our most wrestling ass episode ever. It is, uh, because in Nerba Book Club, we are discussing the comic book story of professional wrestling by Ari Citizen and Chris Marino. So, yeah, there's going to be lots of wrestling talk. Uh, plus, <laughs> Eric came here and we watched wrestling. Eric watched wrestling in Florida multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can just jump right in, Eric. It's it's been a little bit of time, but we might as well just jump right in to the cold comic book water. Rip the bandaid off. I mean, you know, whatever you think necessary. Whatever metaphor works. Uh, it's time for our first segment. It's time for floppies for nightly. Floppies for nightly is where Eric and I will review a selection of the past few weeks' books. Tell you to buy or do not buy them. This mush meter goes to one to five. If we're feeling mushy about our decision. Our first book is... I don't know. I just threw this in here because I wanted us to talk about it a little bit. I'm, I'm very surprised it's here. It's not really a comic. I mean, it's a it's a sketchbook. No. It's Young Gun Sketchbook number one is our first book. It is free on Comixology. And I don't know if it's if it's free in any comic shops that carry it. I don't know. Um, but it's just a sketchbook. And, you know, the Marvel... I, I don't know what you... What do you remember about the original Marvel Young Guns thing in the 90s, if anything? I never... I, I knew that that's what they called those guys, but I don't remember any publication No, like it, there wasn't a publication, but it, this is... I'm just mentioning it because this is a, hey, remember that in the 90s? You know, it was, you know, it was Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld... Everyone who left to go start their own comic book companies and their own things. That's basically where the Young Guns, all the artists who drove a lot of the success of comic books in the 90s. And this is a clear uh, clear reference to that. But it's a lot of sketches. And all these, I don't think it's a coincidence that all these uh, gentlemen are all working on, you know, Marvel comic books that are all in publication right now. It's, this is, you know, this is marketing. I was going to say, calling it a sketchbook is charitable. This is an advertisement. <laughs> it is an advertisement, but it's more about, it. it I, you know, it is, there is, a, there's been some criticism about it because one, all dudes. All, definitely all, all, all boys. And I don't know, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to be too pedantic about what young means. No, but, that, like this guy's talking about like his favorite rapper is Nas. He's he's not young but yeah some of these dudes are in their 40s yeah no yes exactly and i i don't know it just it 
it's just a strange thing. It's a strange thing that the I I like these all these artists. I think they're all very good and very talented. My, Mike Del Mundo says DJ Cool Herc on his his thing. No no one knows who DJ Cool Herc is. That's fucking young. I I think that it, this is very representative of what Marvel thinks about how how what artists they choose to put in here i think is very representative mm-hmm. of what marvel thinks about their their art crew i guess yeah it's um i mean these are if you're gonna pick if you're gonna pick a bunch of super talented artists and you just pick the first ones that come to mind i think it reveals a lot it reveals a lot about your 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 bias mm-hmm. yeah not that not that there's not there's anything wrong. I I happen to love many of these men's art. I mean, Mike Del Mundo and, and Daughterman are definitely favorites. Uh, but yeah, this is a little a little embarrassing. That like, let me let me let me look look let me look at the faces again. I mean, it looks like two Latin guys and three three white dudes. Mm-hmm. Daughterman is also like, Daughterman is gay, so there is at least someone of a different sexual orientation in there but i guess that's um, not there's there are women artists marvel and also guys who aren't russell russell Dowderman has not not like nominated for eisner's you yeah. know i know i know i think it, it, this is for like who's this for like if you want a real like here young guns i mean like people who've mm-hmm. worked on maybe one thing and they're like the hot new thing I, mean, I think they don't. They're just trying to put heavy hitters in there and sell books. I guess. I guess. Like I, 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 I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But I think honestly, in this day and age, like it seems weird to just to just do this. I, I, I don't know. I don't either. I, 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 I. I'm not. We don't have to say buy or do not like because it costs zero dollars. But I, you know, it, I thought, hey, we should mention it. At least it seems strange. It is indeed strange. Yeah, like a lot of Marvel, well, well Marvel, spotted. Marvel marketing decisions. Odd. Yeah. Uh, we can move on to our first co- first comic book of the week. It is Test Number One, written by Christopher Sabella, art Jen Hickman, colors Harry Saxon, letters Hassan Utsman Alau. What do you make of this book? I I I like it. It's fucking weird. It's very strange. You know, I have enjoyed my time with it. I was expecting to hate it. Okay. Because I mean, you show me a character that looks like that running around in a hoodie with big fucking combat boots on and I'm like this is and this is dumb. No thank you. It's, I I but, was I was expecting more of like clearly uh, like a middle-aged person writing a young person kind of mm-hmm. thing going on mm-hmm. and that is not think, not terrible i mean sabella is really like really kind of having a moment like really I mean, he's been around for ages but a lot of his stuff has just never clicked for me and this like i'm i can't tell you 80 percent of what's going on in it i can't really make heads or tails of it but like it's enough going on and it's intriguing enough that I have a good time reading it. I want to know more. 
I think this is good. It's 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 not as good as say crowded, um, but I I think he's really having a moment. I think he's really doing some of the work of his career, and this book is neat. And fuck it, I want more. I think I'm like I'm interested and I'm curious. We were talking about comic book. I I like this comic book. I feel like I'm just. There's like there's something that I'm not getting. There's some, I, like I understand, despite the fact that it is full of weird like stuff that is not like it 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 is not. I don't think it's textually connected. I think you have to draw conclusions a lot of the time. A lot of the stuff that's happening in the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's on purpose. I just I, there, I feel like I'm just not quite connecting with it. There's something that I'm just not quite getting it. Like I like I like there is like it's. Very much like in my mind, I'm like, oh, and this is very well done, and it looks beautiful, and I like, I like the idea of like, there's various narrative voices that are kind of at odds with each other, and the Aleph, the character, the uh, they don't even actually know what's going on necessarily. They're they're getting pulled in a lot of different directions, but I think that it it feels a little directionless, and I think that's largely. What keeps me from going like full on? It just feels like mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, they, which is that's also interesting that this character doesn't doesn't you know uses they pronouns and doesn't have a gender uh, prescribed at least in the book. But they don't have. They want to get to this town, and then they get there, and then there's a bunch of mysteries in this town. And th- but I'm still like, what do they they want to? Do they do they want to get rid of all the Im- weird implants that are in them, or do they want to dis? get revenge on the people who kidnapped them or put did this stuff like i don't know what they want they just they don't know what they want i think is also part of the i mean i don't know if that's a problem because it certainly is for me the messiness of any kind of narrative it's just it reinforces what a slop house this character is Mm -hmm. that's true it, 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 it works for me yeah, I mean, I th- I think I'm still by. I I just feel like I'm I'm. It's one of those ones where I'm you know read a few issues, see how I feel after a few more issues, give it some time because I think it executes what it's doing really well. But I do want to you know, as we're about to talk about, I do want some direction at a certain point. Um, but I'm a buy on test number one. Uh, I mean, I you know, I unabashedly love it, so I'm here. You're here. Mm-hmm. I'm here. Okay. Double buy. Test number one. Next up is Faithless. Number three by Brian Azzarello and Maria Lovett on writer and art. We've had <laughs> yep. incredibly clashing thoughts about every single issue. Uh I'm off. I'm off. Goodbye. Faithless, you really you're a great you're a really interesting book. Maybe I'll read you in trades, you know, down the line from now. <laughs> but <laughs> I need more than what is... I need some direction versus weird witch lady just wandering with there's homeless people assaulting people and like debt people owe friends ODing and having sex with Mick Jagger or whatever. Like, I... Come on! What is... Give me something to hold on to. Like a central tenant that is guiding us along. Well, you're not... Are you not getting any satisfaction? No, no, no. (laughs) Do you try? I did try. (laughs) I tried. 
Oh, I tried. Oh. I I just it it still like it's not it one the art is beautiful. I I, don't, I think the like the dialogue and the characters are written well enough. It's just it's aimless. There's nothing like there's people are bouncing in and out of the out of issues. Like this this woman that this the our main character is falling in love with, I guess, disappears. And then she has sex with her father. In the issue same I'm like who I don't I, still, I don't know enough about her. Well, I I I mean I'm 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 sorry this frustrates you so I kind of feel like I kind of I kind of feel like being weird and beautiful is about the only thing that I expect out of life. This is this is this this continues to be my shit. I'm sorry that this is this is what we have to argue about. I mean, I I if you I mean it's just not what I want. I don't think that's it's bad or something. I don't, I'm not. i saying it's I quantifiably mean, bad. I think it's actually quantifiably good. It just... Mm-hmm. I'm... I... I just, you know... I will wait till there's 10 issues out and probably read it then. And maybe there'll be more shape there. But I cannot bear no, it. I'm be- I bet you this ends in two issues. Oh, okay. <laughs> good. Great. Uh, I'm, I, I guess that makes me a do not buy, even though it's not that this book is bad. I love it. <laughs> I I love it. I want, want I want more of this forever. Okay. The, the, every every issue, I like it more. This it's got fucking witches and full frontal nudity and fucking it's just weird. It does have fucking oh, as well. It does have it does have fucking. Mm-hmm. I believe that I believe every issue has had some had some screwing in it. It so. does. That's a split decision on Faithless number three. All right. Our next book is Black Hammer slash Justice League, Hammer of Justice, number one, written by Jeff Lemire, art, Michael Walsh, letters, Nate Picos of Blambot. So we read Black Hammer a while back. We read some Black Hammer. We did. And we liked it. There's a lot more Black Hammer now. There's an astounding amount of Black Hammer spinoff comics. We'll probably get back to some of it at some point, but... Hey, along with that is this book, which I was kind of surprised to see. It's a weird thing. Because it's a, you know, Black Hammer is a Dark Horse book. Justice League DC, and I guess Jeff Lemire, because he's worked for every single comic book company that's ever existed, he is friendly with everyone and says, hey, let's do a crossover. Um, I think I'll like. I whenever I think I I like this. You know, I like Jeff Lemire in general. Yeah, I like this. But seeing, you know, all of these Black Hammer characters are largely, you know, weird versions of other superheroes. You know, like one of them dudes is just basically Martian Manhunter, and then now he's going to cross over with actual DC characters into the actual world and stuff and. I do you think that it can support that idea? I guess this weird Black Hammer can support this idea of going to like it's already it's parody. It's we it's a weird parody and satire and Watchmen esque you know met deconstruction of these pulp heroes. I I don't know if it needs like this might I, I guess it's it's a fun novelty, but I don't know if it's anything more than that. Yeah, no, I mean, well, I mean when they put any kind of characters that don't go together is it ever really more than a novelty you know 
I, I, I would, I would take more an amalgam comics. I mean, not doing that exactly, but you know, that level of lightheartedness, mm-hmm. non-seriousness, you know, over your doomsday clock bullshit. Um, this is kind of on a spectrum between those two things, you know, it's a pretty obvious, like, oh, weird multiverse and they switch and mm-hmm. her, her, her. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like it, it, it's fun. It's a little hammy and that the first several pages are so outrageously expository. It's ridiculous. It's just like, Hey, you don't know who these characters are. Watch them say their whole backstory yes <laughs> in three pages for no reason it's really unnatural but now you know who they are um but i mean whatever it's interesting i love the characters in black hammer i i like this world i like them throwing them in a weird curveball like this i like seeing batman and superman and wonder woman sort of in that same position mm-hmm. you know it, weird novelty yes i i i will take weird novelty over like let's change everyone's stories forever and uh, take years to undo a mess this is this is a light fun read and i i like it yeah i mean i think it, it's it's also like i it's a thing when you think of a thing like deceased which is still selling incredibly well. Just of let, course it just, is. Just let you know, Eric. Um, I mean, in, in in other words, comic fans are 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 dumb. I it's that is also a novelty. I would I prefer this one hundred percent of the time. Um, I and it it may not you know it might feel strange or or be clunky at times just because of how you're just like hey we're just gonna take these characters and swap them and see what happens I guess. Um, but I'll take that. And I like, I like Black Hammer. Jeff Lee Meyer's great. Jeff Lee Meyer is a very good writer. And I think that I, you know, it may not do anything new or, you know, provide a lot of like, Oh, this has any meaning, let's say, but I think it will be fun. And I think the Black Hammer universe is generally very dreary, at least from what we've read of it. It's very like sad and melancholy. And throwing in Superman and Wonder Woman and and Batman and and putting them in the in, like in this kind of like Freaky Friday situation, it seems like it's a little a little bit lighter in tone, which I am I'm I'm good with. I'm a buy. Mm. Yeah, me too. So that's a double buy. Black Hammer Justice League number one. Next up is Lois Lane number one, written by Greg Rucka, art by Mike per- Mike Perkins, colors Paul Mounts, Simon Boland on letters. Twelve issue. Uh, maxi series lois lane greg rucka just like writing a newsroom drama with superman who's hanging around i guess mm-hmm. um i really like it i was wondering what what your thoughts I, would be on it i really i like it a lot i mean some of it is i think on the nose on purpose you know it is yeah. directly addressing things that are happening in the news like right now um are you telling me that this woman who looks just like Sarah Huckabee Sanders mm-hmm. is uh, it, 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 it? She's referencing something. <laughs> yeah, it might be 
it might be i you know her her name is what is what is her it's her last name is fucking mccarthy <laughs> is is mike huckabee a senator who what what is what is what is mike huckabee i don't think he's anything anymore i think he he's an ex well that's that that's a good thing he i believe the last time i saw him he was playing bass with uh uh was the dude from the from corn who's a born again christian now what he was they one mike huckabee this is the this mike, is the darkest timeline mike huckabee plays bass i believe he was on his weird talk show his God, terrible, Lord. terrible talk show. And he invited Born Again Christian, former corn bassist, whoever it is, Monkey, maybe? Fieldy. Can't remember Fieldy. It's Fieldy. I was gonna say. It's Fieldy. Fieldy's the one. And is he, uh, the one, is he the one that wore those um those those contacts? I have no idea. I believe it, that's who it was. Uh and then we're off the rails we, here, but can, please keep talking about Mike Huckabee. This is I need you to ruin my day. I, I was. I just want to say that they played blind together, duet God. with on bass. The Mike Huckabee was playing some corn songs on his talk show. That's where Mike Huckabee is, Eric. Uh, I, 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 fucking, I don't know what to do with this information. I, 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 I can't. I, I, I fucking can't. Like. <laughs> You've you've just you've undone me with this information. I I like I like oh this comic. I like this is the Brian Michael Bendis comic I want, basically. Let's, yes, let's go to let's go to comics where things are normal. Yes, this is uh, Greg Rucka is I like Greg Rucka. He's the he's the Brian Michael Bendis that you that you you don't you don't have to shit talk. No, exactly. Uh, I it, I think it looks really nice. I it has it has the the it has. Clark Kent in it, just being like secretly angry at people <laughs> on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they ha- they have they have sweet married people sex. It's they, n- it's lovely. It is, and then and we get some you know alley dark alleys and Lois Lane being an investigative reporter and and lesbian the question. Mm-hmm. Totally. Which I'm I, I big fan. I'm a big fan. She's getting her own series in the in the in the black label. I hope, having, I, I hope we read that filthy mess. We will. Uh, we'll see. It's, if it, I hope it's good. Uh, but I like this a lot. I'm on a board with this comic book. I'm a buy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing to add. I mean, what? What is there? You could say I think Robbie's also a smart and handsome guy, and he's right about this comic book. Uh, sure. That's you're you're a, you're beautiful. Okay. Cool. That's a double by Lois Lane number one. Our last book of the week is The Walking Dead, number 193. Uh, created by written by Robert Kirkman, penciled, inked by Charlie Adler, Cray Tones by Cliff Rathburn, letters Russ Wooten. Last issue, final issue ever of The Walking Dead. And you said, I asked you point blank, should we, you want to read this for the, for the podcast? And you said no. And <laughs> here I we are. To, I still don't want to read it. And here, I've read it. Here we are. I well, I was gonna say no, we weren't, and then I read what the book is, like what happens in it. I read the spoilers basically, and I'm like, that sounds interesting. I want to read that because this is what I wanted about a hundred issues ago. Oh yeah, this is exactly. I mean, an, uh, I'll even go you one 150. I I I, I hate this series. I don't <laughs> like reading this. I did not enjoy reading this. 
to me at this point, this just feels like shitty fan fiction. I can't enjoy this. Too much? You had too much, too much exposure? I don't even know. Because uh, it's very, it's just, this is, I mean, it's a really interesting thing that, because this, this is the last issue. There were issues after this were solicited. There were fakes, you know, fake solicitations because Robert Kirkman wanted it to be a surprise. Uh, people, yeah, he's not, he's not even ending it on like a 200. No, then that's what everyone, you know, there's a lot of people were assuming, oh, because, you know, Rick just died, which we also were saying, I think when we were reading it, we're like, Rick should die. This is going on way too long with Rick. Mm-hmm. And he do- he did eventually die. And everyone was like, okay, well, I expect a little bit more of denouement, a little bit co- more of a coda. You know, get to 200 at least before you end it. Or, hell, you could do the story of Carl for, like, again, this book, You, I think we talked about this while we were reading The Walking Dead. It became a you your words exactly if you invented a machine that prints money would you turn it off yeah oh yeah and i i mean i guess i applaud kirkman for doing it now instead of five years from now which he i assume he probably could he there's a long afterward i don't know if you've read any of it um i am absolutely not reading that afterward (laughs) i did read it i i i don't i don't care what he has to say it's very interesting because he says that in the seventies he was planning to end the issue, end the story before issue one hundred. He had, back in the day he had an original ending for this thing where, where he describes it, where he says it would have Rick joining that community, you know. So the before he said in the seventies, this 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 comic has been running since nineteen seventy eight. Yes. You know what I mean? Issues in in yeah, the I, issue I, numbered seventies. I, I do know what you mean, but I couldn't let that opportunity go well and he said oh yeah the original ending was they show rick working uh with this community making it better they would have a statue of rick be erected and then you'd you'd next you would cut to a same shot on the the same shot of the statue of rick but the zombies have taken over again and they everything has been destroyed so everything the humans built has been destroyed zombies reclaimed everything and he said that ending is too grim and it's not not a good ending uh, and this, you know, this ends with a happily ever after, basically. Now, I haven't read the last 70 issues of this book, basically, but the 120 issues we did read of this thing, give or take, was unrelentingly grim and dark, so much so that it soured both of us on any more of it. As we read, you could hear us as you listen to those episodes. We like it. We like it. We start not liking it, then we suddenly hate it because we are reading a hundred plus issues of just people dying over and over and over again, and all hope being stomped out every single time it it springs up. So why does this end with a happy ending when the entire comic book is not about that? I don't know, but maybe it's changed in the last seventy issues. But I. I'm glad it's over now. There's a lot of comics. Apparently, comic book shops are angry at Robert Kirkman because they took away one of their sellers. Yeah. How dare you turn off the money machine? Exactly. And I, there's been other people who have said this, but I will repeat it on the air. If your comic book shop is reliant, is so reliant on one single comic book being you know there every month, you should your business model is not strong enough. You need to figure something oh. else out. It's called diversifying, guys. Yes. Um, 
But I mean, comic shops can't help that. Whatever. No, I know. Uh, I mean, they they can, but not directly. Get some dog man in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I I honestly like. You say you don't like this. I like this issue. I mean, whatever. That's fine. I like this issue, but this is the interesting thing to me. Like after you know, after we read all those issues of things falling apart. Like, we jump cut to in the future, and then we have, like, one issue of Carl, like, you know, dealing with post-societal questions about law and the zombies and all this stuff. That's fascinating, too, Robert Kirkman. I I don't know why you, like, you had to end here. I'm like, well, maybe... Don't encourage him to keep going. <laughs> Please. Well, I mean, I would encourage him to go back in time and rewrite the last hundred issues of the comic book to be after this moment. <laughs> okay, that's good. I'm just, I'm just so done. I know. It's, it's not even like the. Gr- it's just like it was like reading a hundred issues of something in fast forward sameness. Like, yeah, the the fucking like I the 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 hundred and fifty. 120 that we read were I don't know quantifiably no different from like the first 30. No, I you, mean you, you you get it after a while. That's what I mean. You you rec- start recognizing patterns and yeah. I don't I wish this issue was like hey reclaiming that's interesting reclaiming the earth and having to deal with new like but it's a different comic book because people aren't dying every week. And that's the, like every issue there's not or every other issue there's someone we just met isn't getting shot in the head or their arm chopped off or or hit with a baseball bat with covered in barbed wire. It's just people talking about, you know, societal issues and how do we how do we rebuild society when after everything's been destroyed and make it fair, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't, and it's just this is like, hey, it's a fast forward to the end and then it's the end of the story. I'm, you know, I'm glad it's over. I'll say that. Thank God. <laughs> I just, I'm, again, I wish it would have ended a lot sooner and because it could have gotten to, I think it, I don't know. There's a lot of people who still, who still are, were religious with it and read it, seen read, got every single issue. Oh, sure. And love it. There's fanatics for goddamn everything for, for certain, but like, is this as an ending worth reading? 192 issues oh no i've never said any anyone who's ever asked me hey should i read the rocking dead i'm like no probably not yeah exactly. i, I would not suggest it um i mean i i think i the first I, two trades I, and then stop i say I, I usually tell people stop with the governor after they kill the governor you got it i would i would definitely say stop way the fuck before that but i mean the governor is like 35 issues in that's not that far that's i mean that's that really is not that much but that's still several trades i think you can get away with two or three maybe but that's just me i i completely hate this shit now (laughs) well there's no more of it out there eric I mean, though, there's plenty of it out. They're going to keep printing those books. Trust me. Oh, I understand. And there's a television show that's still going somehow, even though apparently, creatively, it is also, from what I hear. Um, So you're saying it's a zombie. (laughs) Uh, We are The Walking Dead, Eric. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, shit. (laughs) I just now got that. Yeah, yeah. It was very confusing. Not very subtle uh, amount of storytelling when they when Rick looks directly into the camera and tells us that we are the Walking Dead. Um, 
I'm a, I, I, I don't, I'm a, I guess I'm a buy on this as a, like a fascinating thing, but you've already bought this if you are a Walking Dead reader. And if you're not, you don't, I don't, I think it's, it's fascinating to me, like to just to look and see how this monumental thing like ended. That's always oh, interesting. Uh, Even if I don't like a thing, I could like see how it ends is interesting. Um, if you're thinking about re- starting with The Walking Dead, start with this issue. That way you have less to read until the end. <laughs> I think you've gotten worse on this book. After- you were oh, never this. Absolutely. I am just wildly upset about it. You were never. Completely unnecessarily so. Like, whatever. If you like The Walking Dead, fucking fine. Like, you know, Mazel Tov, enjoy yourself. Like, that's. That's way, way, way fine. Like, I, 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 I sincerely don't care. Like, like the comics that you like, this is easily twice as long as it needs to be. And it, like, I have no sense of humor about it anymore. I, 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 I don't need more bullshit zombie stories <laughs> that are this old that are just like a fucking rock tumbler of the same old shit like i i like whatever mazeltov it's fine don't don't buy this don't read it you know god bless them for making a brilliant money machine <laughs> i i you know i applaud them for their success i applaud them for their ability to create a thing that has resonated with so many people for so long Thank God it's over. Thank God he had the balls to stop it. Um, stop it here instead of... I mean, he could go on forever and people probably... Yes, still... he could. You know? Yes, he could. Um, I, I'm, well, that's, I'm, that's I'm, a, I'm out. That's a split decision. Walking Dead number 193. Uh, uh, more bo- more comic, comical books to read next time. We move on to our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show, Eric and I talk about what we've been up to in the intervening time since our last episode. It's been a month, Eric, since it our last episode. Been, it's been a minute. It's not been that long since I've seen you, so... No, it's true. I, uh, my, my, uh, my understanding of time has been dilated a little bit. It's been a very busy month. It's been an insanely busy, like, couple of months for me, honestly. It's been insane. Let's talk about some wrestling. Uh, like we always do right but uh, i mean are you sure you don't want to t- how about you talk about the other thing and then the whole last half of okay. the podcast can be all wrestling talk okay did you happen to see my um oh who is he on on twitter i talk to him all the time he goes by mexican vanilla i can't think of what his name is off the top of my head i have to look at my mentions to find him again but he 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 said the very funny thing that like how he really likes our content, but he just rolls his eyes all the time. It's just like, all right, guys, enough with this shit. <laughs> okay, well, I'll talk about a movie first, and then we can talk a lot about wrestling. Uh, I went and saw The Art of Self Defense. Uh, stars Jesse Eisenberg. He's by far the most you know well well known person in the movie. Um, it's a dark comedy, broadly. Uh, it gets very, very dark, though. 
Um, and there's a there is a there is a, a segment of the movie where you're like, oh, this isn't funny anymore. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then it gets it comes back where you're like, oh, that's funny again. But I mean, I think that's necessary. I like I liked it that it got to a point where like it penetrated that comedy part and actually hit and made you feel it made you made me feel terrible for a little while. And then, you know, um, but the 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 very basic plot synopsis is. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg plays a character named Casey who feels he he's like uh, the dude in the those old comic book ads. The guy gets his saying kicked in his face. Um, he's like Luther Strode, essentially, sort of, yeah. And uh, he's he's a weakling, you know, like a little little skinny guy. He's anxious. Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers. He's not he's not courageous though. You know, you know, little Steve Rogers actually is, even though he can't fight when he's a you know a little tiny guy he is you know bold uh he this casey is anxious and afraid of confrontation and it doesn't defend himself and 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 all that stuff and he gets uh mugged and he goes to a karate class to learn how to defend himself and that's all i knew going in mm-hmm. and it goes some places i was certainly not expecting uh but it's really, I I think, like it, it's sort of like woke Fight Club, hmm. in that it is like absolutely, it is absolutely. I Eric, I think you'd like it if you can get past okay. the. I don't know how you deal with like very awkward characters. I don't generally like it, but I, I this yeah. this movie managed to breach that kind of the thing I don't like because it is it is everything else about it is so good because it is definitely. Like and like looking at ideals of masculinity and toxic masculinity and like you know combat and defending yourself and aggressiveness and like how you deal in social situ- how people deal in social situations and construction of like identities and stuff like that. Mm. It's really good. It is very funny. It really it it is there's really there's really strange stylistic choices, especially how they how the, all the dialogue is written. It's really interesting how it, how they I think the it was directed by the writer. He's writer director. It's really interesting choices about how all the characters speak because they don't talk like people really. They talk like I don't know. They just kind of say exactly what they mean. Mm-hmm. There's no degree of any degree of metaphor or or symbolism at all they're just they're like literally just literally explain everything they they they, they talk like they're russian kind of yeah <laughs> it's really it's really it's a really interesting choice because it really changes everything about the movie um but it's very good i, I was kind of stunned how good it was i was not expecting it to be like i was expecting it to be okay but it is actually like something i would want to watch again the trailer looks really good it's I'm watching it with the sound off so I can hear you. <laughs> Good. Uh, it is. But it's I think you particular as a person who had, who has actually mm. gone and taken self-defense, you know, taken combat courses, basically, and, you know, jujitsu and stuff like that. This is karate. I, I got my ass beat some. Well, yeah, but this I mean, this is it's set in the 90s, I think. It's a very weird thing because it doesn't ever announce itself like it's set in like 1994, but it's clear that it's set in the past. But uh, it's got that God. There's there's just wood paneling mm-hmm. everywhere, like 
I I mean, I don't think it was that common in 1994. No, but I mean, it, I don't know. It doesn't say 1994 at any point. It could take any at any point. It exists in that weird like Napoleon Dynamite time timescape that where sounds fine where it could be anywhere from like 1997 to 1978 and you're like i don't know they have computers they're really mm-hmm. they have the giant monitors there's no cell phones um but you, i i think i would i would suggest most people watch this uh it's it's really good i really if you don't like dark comedies and i mean and it's there's some graphic violence in it as well uh that made me cringe actually it was so grotesque um but i would still suggest mo- if if you can deal with that stuff you should go i see think it. it'll be fine no you can i know you can i mean like the general audience listening you the royal the you. royal you exactly but that's that's uh, that's it let's we can talk about some wrestling yep, here it comes guys yes, you the okay most, the what? most wrestling ass shit that's ever uh, happened so let's see um you went to fighter fest CEO and Fighter Fest. That was the first thing that happened. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I did CEO. Um, mm-hmm. What does it stand for? Central Community something Orlando. I don't. I think it is Community something. But Communi- community effort Orlando. There you go. I, that's a weird. That's a weird middle thing for the acronym, but that's that's okay, guys. Um, CEO is uh, great. I really like video game cons now and i want to do more i'm gonna maybe i'm gonna hopefully do ceo next year um i want to do evo now everyone was telling me how great and fun it is um i think there need to be more wrestling shows at at nerd conventions i'm i'm way into that um we were still relatively fresh off of uh double or nothing mm-hmm. uh and i was super hype for fighter fest you have seen the pay-per-view or the you've streamed it at this point yeah yeah i've seen i've i watched i i watched fighter fest uh in seattle no vancouver i watched it in a hotel in vancouver on my ipad right i uh, forgot you you you, you, you went to canada I, I went to you went to canada and where else it was seattle and vancouver I, I mean, dare I say, we have had an awesome summer. Mm-hmm. I, and, but I seen Fighter Fest. Uh, I th- it was a good show. It was a good show. Um, very, felt very different um, from uh, Double, from or Double or Nothing. And I think that even calling, calling it a house show, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty apt. And, and, and yeah, having just gotten back, um, Basically, as soon as we sat down to do this from my trip to Jacksonville for Fight of the Fallen, God, what an awful trip that was. Um, Fight for the Fallen had basically the same kind of feel to it, but I guess we'll we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, I, mean, I mean, we can talk about them together. It's they're they're two weeks apart from each other. They are both. Yeah. They are both. You know, I I think that. I mean, obviously, there's pressure there for AEW to put on a good show because this, they don't have a TV show yet. So this is like all they've done is these three shows officially. Mm-hmm. So they have pressure to like make them look good and for all the wrestling to, to to do all the wrestlers to perform well. But I feel like people are judging these things, the, these these latter two shows, much more harshly than they should. 
Because I feel like that's they are they're they're house shows. Like very few mm-hmm. people like look at a WWE show like on a random Thursday or something. That's just you know it's a house show. It's just to give like let the local people to wherever they are you know see these wrestlers. How you chance to like watch them live? That's true, but the whole the whole country is watching. You know, like whether it's a house show or not, it's still streamed for free even to a lot of people and if you give people only two things to judge you by and then they judge you by it and you're like well you shouldn't judge me by the things that i gave you to judge me by it it just i mean what do you expect um i mean i don't expect anything different than you know the internet but iwc oh yeah no i I, I, i agree that people are in general like I was I, I kept thinking about that because in 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 Dallas you were said this is this is just the beginning the fucking stupid smarky shit it's just gonna get worse and that's all I could think of the whole time I'm like I mean you're you're right we're a year off from someone saying the dumbest absolute shit that I've ever heard and I mean I don't know it's bubbling up in me as well I have my own bad opinions on on fucking shit but i mean i i I think it's it's more just like hey when they have a regular tv show and like it it's gonna be the same as it was there's gonna be divisiveness and people going you know taking sides Mm -hmm. and going this is not this isn't good and this is bad and how dare they do this precious thing this is they did they shouldn't do that i'm like well why like them taking shots at this is the thing I saw today, and because in, in at the end of Fight for the Fallen, you know Cody gave a speech as he has done at every of their events now. Uh, he's, a, he's a speecher, and he's he is their figurehead in in a lot of ways. And he he took like a a, a, a sh- about you know he he took a shot at WWE counter programming by having Evol- the Evolve show stream on the network the same night, uh, at the same time, and. I immediately saw people going, they shouldn't do this. It makes them look like amateurs. I'm like, dude, ha- did, are you guys, did you know what happened during the Attitude Era? Like what those two companies, both WCW and WWF at the time did to, like every single show was full of references to the other guy. They were constantly mm-hmm. taking shots at each other. And I I don't know what you expect. Like, it was way worse then in 1997, 1998, 1999. Way worse. And. Yeah, but they were kids when they saw that, so everything's fine. I don't know. I just. It's it's going to get way worse than this, guys. WWF is. Not WWE has just gotten started taking shots at AEW. And AEW, I assume, are not going to back down. And I think they just do it because they think it's funny or because they know it, it invigorates their base. You know, and, I mean, it, it, it's dumb, dumb, macho, like uh, dick measuring, mm-hmm. pissing contests, bullshit. Yes. Uh, how was the live? How were both live shows, Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen? Um, being there, I really liked the feel of being um, in the arena for uh, for Fighter Fest. Daly's place. I I I have not had the time to watch to rewatch it to watch it on um, mm-hmm. uh, BR Live. Don't know if you have or not. I did today. Yes. Um, okay. 
this this where I was sitting, the sound was terrible. Uh, our mutual friend Eric Steinberg was there, said it sounded fine. He was really more kind of roughly in the same row as me. So he was more centered. I was up against a wall, which made the, the, the echoes were unbearable. This was an open air stadium, mm-hmm. and there's like like the one fucking wall is right beside me to ruin the acoustics. And it just every time anyone spoke, it's just like blah, 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 blah. it just sounded like such garbage. I couldn't make heads or tails of what anyone was fucking saying. Um, so it it hurt a lot of my appreciation of it. Um, it just I, I don't know. For me, Fight for the Fallen was it is each one has been less than the last uh, you know i mean i think i would i mean like just from watching it you know i watched both on streams mm-hmm. and like literally i watched fighter fest on an ipad i did not yeah have it on a big screen or anything yeah they both i mean neither of them were good as double or nothing um yeah but Which I, is fine. No, but I w- I would put them both about equal, uh, at least for presentation. From from the, I, this was actually Fight for the Fallen. They did better on production than they did in Fighter Fest. Like yeah. they piped the they didn't they piped the theme the entrance music directly into the feed and not over this like the live mics. So you're mm-hmm. actually hearing the music directly is good. Um, I mean, I it's, think they're gonna yeah they're gonna figure more things out, and I imagined. It was definitely more for that experience, and that was a big part of my problem, is it was a little bit unpleasant to watch the show uh, from in there. It's just, it's well, not it's, a great venue. And it's also like, I, I've heard reports of like, it was, I mean, it's outside in Florida in the mm-hmm. summer, and those, all the wrestlers reports are- from who? Eric Steinberg? <laughs> from the internet. He was definitely complaining about the schwitziness of it. Well, there was there's lots of people online going, it's very hot, and I don't want it. I'm sitting here for, like, you know, the crowd is, you know, you're losing energy as you go because... Oh, it's true. I was dead-ass tired. It was almost midnight when the show let out. And, and it, you know, the heat's sucking energy out of the crowd, so they're, like, oh, yeah. trying to get them to pop as much in the last match is going to be tough. But, I you know, mm-hmm. I liked... I don't think... Either of these shows were as good as Double or Nothing, but I didn't really, I didn't expect much from them. I expected exhibition matches, you know, like there's nothing on the line, really. They advance a little, they advance stories a little, not much. Mm-hmm. It's a little nods here and there. I expect it to, you know, dial up again for All Out, and All Out will probably be as good as Double or Nothing, and then they'll be on TV, and, and then I don't know, you know, that's, that yeah. is the, that is what I'm really curious about, because, like, I don't, you know, I'm not judging, I'm not judging the aw if they're mm-hmm. successful or not on these shows i'm judging them when that television show starts because that is the hard thing that is yeah not i don't know that it's the hard thing but it's certainly where we get to see what in the what in the hell they really are well i mean it's producing something on a weekly basis versus producing something every like this this and fire fest were like two weeks apart from each other so that's mm-hmm. a little bit of like, oh, they had to have a quick turnover for the next show. But when you have to do it every week and have, you know, plot, have, have gimmicks and angles and all this stuff constantly moving and people will. Well, they really, they, they really don't know anything about making a show every week. Uh, well, there's a difference between a 15 minute YouTube show and a, 
two hour long live television show. Um, but they have professionals behind the scenes with them. I think it would be good. Um, anything else you want to say about AEW shows, either of them? Um, no. Okay. Then you also in between that. In between that. <laughs> in yes. between those two shows, you came to, you came visit us in Austin and you and I drove up to Dallas uh, did, I, did I tell you about the debacle about actually getting to uh, to to Austin? You didn't. I, well, Kim told my wife uh, told me uh, the the short version of it where you were like you had a flight which connects through Austin, and that's yeah, how that's was, how you're going to get to Austin, Houston, Houston to Austin, right? Both times, but then that flight got canceled, and then the flight that replaced it didn't stop in Austin. So you couldn't take that flight, and you so you'd be postponed like a week or something, and then that doesn't well, work. <laughs> it, it was it was something kind of like that. It just kept being delays, and it's not going to meet a connection, and this, that, and the other. And they're like, "Well, we can get you there in two or three days." And it it was already going like on the the end of the second day. So I bought a ticket and drove directly to the airport. Right, like right then, it was very stressful. Well, you got here. You made it. I did. And then we drove to Dallas and we stopped at uh, Bucky's and we ate some delicious food from Bucky's. You ate that horrible pecan log. <laughs> okay, so I, for posterity's sake, I do need to talk about this thing that Robbie chose, chose, elected to put in his body. If you can imagine, like, it's like it's it's, it's made like, out it's of like, it's fondant i think kim described it as fondant you can you can call it, i mean fondant sure whatever it it's like it, it it tastes like like birthday cake icing with marshmallow like blended in it mm-hmm. you know the weirdest fucking whatever like i i feel like fondant is it's it's a thing but i don't think it's common enough that every single person can can tell you Eric, what why haven't like. they watched enough they haven't watched those cake decorating shows like i have i i i saw that you you really like the british bake-off i do like british bake-off um hey i wanted to taste texas all right some of us you know love texas so it's this long <laughs> tube-shaped log it's about a candy nine bar inches. it's a big candy bar a a candy bar he calls it <laughs> it's got it's called a pecan log and it's got about six little pieces of pecans in it, I was, and the rest of it is just pure, pure heart-stopping sugar. I was was disappointed of the lack of pecan inside of it. I was, ex- I mean, I was it, expecting it would, some pecan. It would be a tragedy were you to ingest a nutrient. So I, he gets this thing, and he's like, we have to eat this for science. And I'm an adventurous eater. I'm like, sure. So I take a piece of it and, you know, it's like the size of my thumb or something. It's not like a big chunk. And I, he gets about the same amount of it and he, he starts eating it. And I'm like, this is nasty. I'm going to finish this piece. And I never want like, just throw that thing in the garbage. He eats all of it. He continues. He, and I, I, I'm like, how, how are you doing that? I'm getting sick watching you do this. It wasn't that bad. It was. It's no ketchup. It's not as bad as a ketchup macaron. Ketchup chip macaron, worse, way worse. I, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt you there. I mean, I, I believe you 
on that. That's that's fine. But I, I no, honestly, um, th- that's the thing. Like, sure, it's not that bad when you have a little bit of it. When you eat a shitload of it, then it's pretty bad. Like, if I had to, if I had to eat a spoonful of ketchup, I'd be all right. If I had to drink a bottle of ketchup, I would puke. How about the beaver nuggets? Those just tasted like corn pops with some cinnamon. They called them okay. They they called these goddamn things beaver nuggets. They were corn pops with caramel on them. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. was it? Or what, what? What was on it? Was it caramel? It was like a caramel cinnamon kind of thing. Yeah, they they were good, but it's just like a dumb whatever. It was stupid. Hey, you're the one who bought a Bucky shirt, okay? I I had to. It's just it's so bad. <laughs> So we stopped at Bucky's. Bucky's is a gigantic Walmart-sized gas station. For those who do not live in Texas, literally the size of the like one of the biggest super WalMarts you've been in. Yes, they had like what 112, 112, 112 gas pumps. Yep. Oh God. Um. So we did that, and we went to Dallas (laughs) because the first, the opening night of the G1 uh show new from new japan pro wrestling was in dallas so eric and i went to the meet and greet and met eight of the wrestlers on friday and then on saturday we went to the show it was delightful it was pretty goddamn good man it was it was a fun time it was eric and i met wrestlers and got pictures with them they're Mm -hmm. on if you go to eric's twitter you'll see all of them somewhere along the line probably if you look back in time like two weeks yes yes and the wrestling show was great. Um, there's been more G1. Um, the past couple, the, there's been a lot of wrestling lately, uh, but the, the G1 so far has been also great. Uh, and as as the G1 is wont to be. Yes, I think that that is also like having the G1 in between Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. It definitely took a lot of the edge off of my excitement for Fight for the Fallen. Like, one, maybe I'm a little fatigued on uh, AEW events, but two, it really reignited my passion for New Japan, because goddamn, that, that, that G1, that was fucking great. It was a, a very good show. I mean, everyone who I, I know watched the stream was like I like wow that crowd and man people were hyped. I was so excited. I I don't think I've ever stood up and yelled for anything and when Sonata beat Zack Saber Jr. I was there to stand up and yell. It just evokes a you can't help it. You don't even no. you don't even, there's no, no conscious decision. You just stand up no. and you're like Aah! Yeah, yeah. My the my, wrestle boy did something uh, my, good. The sky captain. He won his match against the <laughs> the windy boy. Um, the windy the the windy vegan socialist. Mm-hmm. I just I like Zack Saber Junior. Just the, the 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 more he goes, the more I like him. Mm-hmm. That t shirt you sent me. I want that t shirt. I hope it comes to yeah, pro wrestling tees. Get it with my blessings. <laughs> Um, you're going to pay $45 to get it out of Japan. No, I'm not going to. If it does not come to Wrestling Tees, I unfortunately probably will not purchase it. That's true. This shit's expensive. It's very expensive. I spend enough money on wrestling. Um, but that's true. G1 was good. It was good spending time with Eric, us having, doing things. We ate, we ate some, some good food. 
we we found it. We found the new Italy. We found the new Italy. I don't think we talked about the old. <laughs> no, Italy. we didn't talk about the old Italy. <laughs> it's too much to explain. It was. It's. I'll do real quick that there was a a restaurant in our hotel called Italy. That's the word eat plus Italy. That's in, in, all you need to know. In Las Vegas, there was a... In Las Vegas, that's correct. And we found another place in Dallas. Right next near door. Near our Airbnb that had... Did it have eat? It's the Eatsy. It was its it was name, the actually. <laughs> which is even dumber than Italy, but we just decided that it was also the Italy, so... We're like... You, you just, we were there for like two and a half days, and we were just like, let's go down to the Italy, grab something. Yeah, we kept saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Italy, it's going to live forever in our hearts, like that cholesterol mm -hmm. that we got from Italy. Yes. Uh, is there anything else that you want to touch on, Eric? Uh, not with all of this stuff. Yeah, we um, we still got a wrestle book to talk about. We got we got so much more wrestling to go. Um, God, Coda is an angel. I think that his ankles will work. It is not. Don't think so. I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. So, that was end of some wrestling talk. Hey, more wrestling talk! Because we're ready to move on to our next segment. Our last segment is time for Nerd Boy Book Club. Nerd Boy Book Club is the part of the show where Eric and I assign a longer collective work and discuss it in depth like you would a book in a book club, except it is a comic book at a comic book club. This week we are discussing the comic book story of professional wrestling by Aubrey Citizen and Chris Moreno. Um, I mean, at a, you know, and at a fundamental level, this is a primer on what pro wrestling is and the history of it. And it goes, it cuts pretty deep. Yeah, and it does. It does a very. I was a little. Skeptical, skeptical about how accurate it would be in covering everything, because it does really it, it 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 digs in deep to American, British, Mexican, and Japanese pro wrestling, which is you know the the most of the where the like the internationally and even Puerto Rico and covers other countries as well, but like you know those four places are you know where a lot of wrestling culture pro wrestling culture kind of was birthed. And I was a little skeptical that I'd be able to cover all of those things and give a good example of use, you know, cover enough wrestlers to actually give an idea of like the the breadth of what pro wrestling offers and has offered for 150 years, basically. Um, but it does a very good job. This is actually mm -hmm. like if I if someone wanted like, hey, what is I don't like they want to know more about the history of pro wrestling. I, I would 100 percent recommend this. It does, a, it does a very good job of laying everything out and making it, I think, understandable for a lay person, you know, not a, not two marks like for it, like us, but there was even, there's things in here that I did not know that I, that I discovered. I, that's always nice. Cause you know, I know after a certain point you are like, yeah, I know that about that, that thing. I don't need to hear it again and again and again, but there's a lot of interesting detail in here. And it, I think it really also lays out a interesting, like, it tells a story, kind of, and the growth of mm -hmm. wrestling and how it ebbed and flowed throughout it, throughout its history, and how it's always it's never been a secret that it's scripted, like, right? That I think that's the that is if there's one thing that is that carries throughout the entire thing is very much like no, it's not WWE kill kayfabe and, and whenever you know Vince McMahon said it's sports entertainment, it's been dead forever. Like in there's been. 
you know, questions about it, about real shoot matches for a hundred years ago. So it's not, this is not new. Uh, it's, they just, all the wrestlers perpetuate the thing because it, they're carnies. <laughs> that's, and I think that's the other thing about this is, hey, they're right, the wrestlers are carnies. They lie about everything. <laughs> just to sell, sell stuff. Put butts in seats, as I believe the book they, says at one point. They, they, they definitely, they're there to sell. What do you think, what, Eric? Did, what, what, well, what did you learn from this? How oh, about that question? The, the things I learned, most of the stuff, like, most of the stuff I learned was mostly the old, old, old stuff. Like yeah. the talking about guys from the 1880s and you know the early tw- the early 19 the early 20th century and that that legacy of the of like the those guys who are like I've seen their names basically like in mentions of observers Dave Meltzer will go like there he'll once like you know every time every year the observer does a Hall of Fame voting and every couple there'll be a couple names that get thrown in because as you know like as legends as people who are important to the sport. 100 years ago. And of course, they're not going to get voted in by anyone because no one knows who they are. But Dave, because he's read every wrestling book and does research and talked to a bunch of people, he knows, oh, this guy was an extremely important wrestling figure. He should be in the Hall of Fame. So he gets pushed in. You see those names. and you, But you don't know who they are. You don't know what, what they did. And you then you see these in the book and it, it very like ex- explains, yeah, this is, this is who they are and why they matter. And then why they matter in the context of professional wrestling. Like, that kind of fucking tells you who the gold dust trio are. No, exactly. That's like that thing. It's it's like, oh, okay. I mean, and it's also really interesting to see how history has repeated itself over and over and over again with wrestling. Like this thing about like, oh, yeah, there's a group of guys and they start a wrestling company or they start working together with a pro wrestling, you know, sh- doing pro wrestling shows. And then there's a schism and people split off and wrestler le- one wrestler goes this way, one wrestler goes another way. And, like, it happened, and, like, that same story is in this book, like, six different times. You know, you go to Hulk Hogan, who was a star in the AWA, but then he got poached by Vince McMahon. And then he gets poached by WCW. The same story with one dude. And it happened again, like, it happened first in, like, 1917 or whatever it was. So that's, that's, that's stuff I learned. You know, I, there's the... I, I, the finer points of some of the British wrestling stuff, I didn't know. You know, I knew some of those names. I knew some about them. I didn't know all the finer details all the way. I wish actually, and you know, I, I know a lot about, I knew a lot about the history because I've read the history of New Japan Lion's Pride, the Chris Charlton book. Um, so I know a lot about the history of New Japan pro wrestling and Japanese wrestling in general just from reading that book. And, you know, American wrestling is easier because it's all in English. <laughs> You don't have mm-hmm. to. You don't have to have someone translate all that stuff for you. So I knew most of that stuff, um, but there's still a lot of detail. And I, I, I don't know. It's just as someone who enjoys wrestling, it's just fun to read to hear you, someone describe all this stuff to you, and you get it, kind of have a refresher and a kind of a, a big picture of all this. When it's a lot of wrestling is so minute and so focused on one match or something, and this is like, hey, it's 120 years of history. Cool. That's what I want. I because it doesn't happen. There's none. There's there are a lot of wrestling books, but they're all like kind of very focused. You know, you have the death of WCW, or you have Mick Foley's books, but they're about him. You know, or about the wrestlers in Bret Hart's book, stuff like that. It's about. It's very. They're good, but they're all kind of specific. I really like that this is so broad and tells the story really well and includes a lot of different wrestlers. You know, there's there's a lot of different wrestlers included in history and mentioned. You know, not they may not get a lot of time in the book, but you mentioned and, and spread them around, and I think that's 
neat. It's not just like, hey, everyone knows Hulk Hogan, so we're going to use Hulk Hogan a lot. There's a lot of Hulk in here because he's important, but there's also a lot of other guys, too. You could definitely stand to see Chris Marino draw just about anybody. Yeah, the art's really good. He's, he's, I mean, he's so good that I, I don't have any problem. He recycles a lot in here, but I mean, this book, there's a lot of book in this book. It's very it's really, dense. Re, it's really, really fucking dense. There's a ton of shit. It's so, so, so much. Um, and he, I, I mean, almost without fail, really nails these likenesses. Like that looks like young CM Punk and like everybody looks like who they are they're all recognizable it's it's really quite good yeah it it, you, it has to look good because how important it, how important the how important it these like it cuz it's a history book kind of you have to nail these characters you have to nail the their their personalities because it that's you know their gimmick. You have to nail how they look. Their how they their their facial acting. You have to nail that stuff because it's important. Important in communicating who they are. Like it's not you know if you draw just like a stone faced you know Shawn Michaels, it doesn't look quite like Shawn Michaels. It has to you know he has to have the dumb shit eating grin, and it it nails that stuff. And it like it it manages to communicate a lot of physicality, which is also incredibly important in really frankly like small spaces like because this book is so dense you know there's Mm -hmm. lots of you know some some pages you know there's it's not that like the layouts are ever that crazy but there are some pages that are just like hey it's you have this 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 page has god how many figures are on it there's there might be 15 people on this page and that's relatively average some of them have like 20 30 right it's a lot and it because these guys are so distinctive looking if especially for us as wrestling fans like if you don't draw them well i can immediately go that doesn't look like that guy Mm. and but i never go i never once in the entire time i was reading ever thought that one time every single time i was like that's a really good sergeant slaughter or wow Mm -hmm. he really captured the strange shape of giant baba giant baba really does he looks like a fucking bag of knuckles He's a he's a, the strangest shaped wrestler I've ever seen, and he's yet got he, the, his, his whole torso is so improbable. He wrestled for forty years, and and he looked like that. Like he, it's less it's less. We, I mean, he has the acromegaly because you know. So as he got older, it looked weirder, uh, and mm-hmm. he lost and he lost muscle mass as he got older, so it also looked weirder. But when as a young man, he even looked strange. But of course, that doesn't hurt you necessarily in pro wrestling. When you're like nope. a big weird looking dude who you know people believe that you could beat people up because you look weird. Hey, that looking weird is kind of part of it, honestly. Yeah, like they're Abdullah the Butcher. Abdullah the Butcher is a weird looking dude, even more so with all the fucking like blading scars on his head. The the notches that he could literally fit coins in. Oh yeah, it's disgusting. It's horrifying. <laughs> it's really gross. Um, what did you learn? Eric, you're, you don't you don't have as much. Uh, I don't know. Oh uh, no, I never. I I never read any nonfiction books about yes, uh, for wrestling. about about wrestling. Not not you know, not for not not because I didn't have the lack of want to. Um, I was I found the section on the two thousands 
really quite interesting. And it was a lot of stuff that I had done a lot of researching around lately. Mm -hmm. And it's it's nice to see like he did really good sections like the sections on 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 punk and Daniel Bryan, I thought were really fascinating. And it's it is interesting going into all that. I just I don't know. I had a really good time. Had a really good time with this. This was an awful lot, and I'm still digesting quite a lot of it. But it does. I do feel like recent history and a lot of things really does interest me. I mean, the other thing that really stands out is the fact that you know this book is not that old. No, but it's all there's, a, there's already. I'm expect if this is ever. I I don't know if they're ever planning on doing like a. More. More pages, yeah, like another, another issue, and a different edition of this with just <clears throat> adding in the last ten years or something, because uh-huh. it's all th- that's another interesting thing about like that's be- that is reinforced by reading the book is how quickly this stuff changes. Yeah, how, it does. Like there's like when you look at like the crazy thing about New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Japan Pro Wrestling is that they've existed and WWE at this point, but they've all existed for decades. But when you look at the history of pro wrestling, a lot of stuff like it is it it quickly is very uh, momentous and and important and successful, and then five ten years later, it's gone. Uh-huh. Or you know, you look at what uh, Jim Cro- Jim Crockett Promotions did, and then was very important, and then got, just turned into WCW, and then within ten years, like within twenty years, it's bought by WWE. From NB and it crashed and rose and crashed again in that span of time, and we're seeing another momentous change now with birth of AEW with the growth of New Japan Pro Wrestling, mm. and that I think that's so a a big part of why this two thousands era stuff is because it is just wild to see because it 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 tells the story leading up to that you know. That being the stuff that you know you and I are literally living through with all these dumb shows we're going to, right? And like that's the the it's interesting how things how a lot of things are have led out of the, that stuff the the recent history and how mu- also how much things have changed just since like two thousand and five, which is not that long ago, and yet there's a, a big seismic shift I think in how wrestling is consumed, how the amount of wrestling easily available to anyone who really wants it, um, who and who and how the wrestlers do business and how much they get paid. Because, you know, with AEW, it is certainly raising the general level of income for most uh, popular wrestlers um, and probably wrestlers in general, frankly. Um, I'm curious what that, you know, if they do another decade and add it to a next edition of the book or whatever. What does that look like? Or, or, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think that's very fascinating. And, I don't know, it, it's harder. It, the the trickiest, like, as you go further and closer to closer to the present, there's just so much more to cover. It's harder and harder to encapsulate it easily, which I think is also an impressive part about the most recent stuff they do in this book, is that they managed, they managed to capture, like, a through line there. With the rise, and I think that's the proper third line. That's the one I would pick. You know, of the the, it's no longer, you know, not every single guy in the WWE is a big hulking monster. Most of the roster are guys who were on the indies who are now in the WWE. Like 
you know, most of the roster were indie stars and are now, you know, on Raw and SmackDown every week. And obviously with AEW, it's the same, it's the same tenet of like, look at all the, these are all indie darlings who are starting their own company, basically. And that's what they choose by focusing on Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. It kind of that, by watching their careers, you kind of see that, you know, you see that, that the arc grow of like suddenly like, oh, all the big giant guys, there's still some, but they're, they're the... The outlier now. It's not like every single main event car- main event player in any company is suddenly like, oh, it's the biggest dude. It's not that anymore. Um, and I, I don't know that that it's not that's not necessarily an easy thing to do when you're trying to like write nonfiction. You know, like even nonfiction books have stories. You know, you're shaping a story around about what you feature in the book and how you explain it and I picking out those threads is important. Mm. He's definitely he he had theses that he went into when he was shaping this. Yes, and I, I think you it know? does a really good job of making those things clear too. I think. Oh, an, yeah. I think an average. It has a it has a de- very definitive point of view. Yes, and I, but I don't think it's I don't think it's biased in like in any negative kind of way. I think it is biased in no. a way of like I like pro wrestling, and I think it's it's, it's pretty interesting. He's very passionate about it the love for it really comes through i mean and and beyond that i mean he likes the things about it that i I mean i think we like about it it's like i don't know that is even kind of the trend nowadays that people are you're you're interested in the narrative from from multiple levels and it it talks about that you know oh god i can't even remember the different sections you know but it it it, 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 everything makes me think of the, the the eye patch wolf video, but it it you know it, it reminds me of that too. But God, I, it's so exhausting having to defend wrestling is good. It really is tiring. <laughs> I don't I don't try. No, I mean it, 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 there's no point. Because people have already made up their mind about it for the most part, which is interesting. Because I like I, I, I you did not have to make me watch much before, like I fucking got it, you know. Like it's it's right there, and you can pick up like there's it, the, the shit that's happening is not just the dumb shit on the surface, you know. There's great matches and awesome stunts, but like that's what's so entertaining about it like that there's multiple levels to the narrative mm-hmm. there's all kinds of different shit going on and it it all just makes it richer i i, I don't know yeah there's levels of narrative happening there is mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing that i've always loved about pro wrestling even when i was younger and didn't understand that as much as i do now but it's very much like well one you have the very surface level of two guys fighting who are they? What do they want? Well, they want to win, usually. But how do they win? Like, we talked about this a long time ago in one of our um, uh, Nameless City discussions. How, you know, Faith Aaron, Faith Aaron Hicks, when she writes fight scenes in those books, it is not just like, hey, people punching each other. Mm-hmm. It is how the characters fight tell you a lot about the, about them. They Like, something integral about them. What is essential yeah. to those characters? Yeah. 
And I think like the best pro wrestling does that in the same way. Like it is yeah. like you're watching two people fight, but how do they fight? Are they submission expert? Are they are they a high flyer? Are they a brawler? Are are do they just pick people? Are they just throw suplexes all the time? Do they are they defensive or are they are they sneaky? Are do they use weapons? Do they cheat? Do they do they are they a fan favorite? Or are they not? How do they react to the crowd? Do they do they ignore the crowd? Do they provoke the crowd? Do they make the crowd scared or happy? Do they go after people in particular? Do they try and provoke those reactions from a single person in the crowd? Like all those, there there are a million different details that a wrestler can make and influence just by looking at them what you think, how you feel. And that's just the surface level of, of just like looking at a character and watching them act in front of you in real time and evoke emotion on how they choose to fight a wrestling match. But then below that, there is another narrative of, well, there's a real guy in there who is acting ostensibly. Even if the character he's portraying is very close to himself, there is still a person under there acting, you know, guy or girl. And there's the that, that kind of second layer of what are they doing underneath all this? What is their thought process? Like, you, whenever you're watching a death match... You you you're thinking like oh John Moxley is a sadistic son of a bitch he's dropping Joey Janela feet first in the thumbtacks, but then you're also thinking like oh my god these two dudes decided that they're gonna have <laughs> one of them is gonna be dropped foot first in the thumbtacks and that's an artistic that's a choice you know that's a an artistic decision even if it sounds strange it's hor- you know it's horrifying to call that an artistic decision but like it yeah it it it, it pretty much is and then then there's that's the second layer and then there's a third layer of like well what is the story that we are we're supposed to get from this from whoever's booking it you know from the creative writing of like well we want this character to be liked and we want this character not to be liked and then there's another layer of well what if the crowd is not buying that what if the crowd likes this one dude even though the fact they don't want him to be liked what do they do do they do they how how do they deal with that? Does the wrestler immediately like start insulting the crowd or knows how to get the crowd angry at him again or does the do they flip the switch like we've watched in Tanahashi matches where Tanahashi when he's in a place where he knows he's getting booed, he doesn't try and like win them back. He starts wrestling like a heel. He changes how he wrestles cuz he and he, he leans into it. He makes himself more heelish. And you know, he, they call it on the fly, and you know a lot of great wrestlers do that. But that's the thing that tired me out about WWE is that they never adjusted. You know, they went with their story, and that was it. And maybe three weeks down the line, they decide, oh, it's not working. Let's change it. But you know, the wrestling I like adjusts on the fly and makes the story adjust to fit everything. It fits the attitude and the atmosphere of the crowd and how they're how the kind of reaction they're getting and how the story works in the ring and trying to tell the same story, but with different notes. And that's really interesting. And all that stuff's happening all at the same time. And it doesn't necessarily all have to be like, I, I sometimes just enjoy matches because of that one, the first layer of like, Hey, these two dudes Mm -hmm. beating each other up is really entertaining. Oh yeah. And that's like, and I don't need anything else, but then you get truly like, I think truly sublime stuff. It, it manages to do everything all at once. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's even a section where he calls that out in particular basically exactly what you're describing I forget what that where it is but it's in here and I think 
it's uh, I mean, I think it's hinted at in here, and I think it's a thing that's hard to. It's something that's hard to. I think it's the thing that's hard to explain to people when people like we were just talking about here when you just mentioned it's tiring defending pro wrestling sometimes mm-hmm. because people come up and you're like, Oh, you like pro wrestling? Oh. Well, they all, I mean, the, I've, I've had to say, you know, l- literally someone said to me recently, it's fake. And I'm like, like, uh, like, duh, the Avengers is fake. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like the, the video game that you're playing is fake. The fucking game of Thrones that you watch is fake. This is better than all those things. Fuck. It's, it's, but it's a thing, like, I, I think there's one thing that is, one overarching thing that makes me know why I enjoy pro wrestling, and I think it kind of sums up everything, and it's, you know, when you're a little tiny kid, you think they're actually fighting. When you're a little tiny kid, you don't know any better. And eventually you discover, just like you find out that Santa Claus isn't real, you find out that, that pro wrestling is scripted. It's fake. You know, find out that Dusty Rhodes isn't real. You find out that Dusty Rhodes does not come on Christmas Day and deliver gifts to you and eat some milk and cookies. He brings you, he brings you pig feet pizza with extra snout on the side. <laughs> That's hot times, Daddy. Uh, the man of the hour, the man with the power. I could do this all day. I'm sorry. I mean, Dust, there's a reason Dusty Rhodes is, uh, is special. He's, he's 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 a fucking legend for a reason. Yes. But it's, but at a certain point, you be, you you realize, oh, okay, this is a show. It's it's just like a tell. It's not any other TV show. It's scripted, and these are characters, and they're they're using the medium of pro wrestling to tell stories. And you figure that out, and you go, okay, well, now that I know that it's it's not real fighting, it is not a sports event anymore. It is sports entertainment, but not too fine a point on it. And yet, and there's nothing else like this because when, you know, I just said, oh, the Avengers is fake. But the event, when you're watching Endgame, let's say, it takes a lot less to break your, it, it's way harder to break your immersion when you're watching that or you're reading a comic book or whatever. It, 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 it's, it's very nature is easy. It's easier to lose yourself in it because at mm-hmm. no one point is it live. It is not one point. You know, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. was never in real danger filming. Yeah. His stunt double might have gotten in trouble a couple times. We don't see that. That is edited out. Pro wrestling is raw stuntmen mm-hmm. performing these things that are extremely dangerous. And stunt women. Well, I mean, d- d- when you talk about, like, breaking your immersion, it rubbed me the wrong way when Britt Baker f- fucked up well, in Fight of the Fallen. Well, she had I mean, a, that's, I don't that's know if, what happens. I don't know if you see this, but she had a oh. concussion. The whole entire match, basically. Oh, God. Poor Britt. So that is why there, you very early on, like, the very first kick she took, she got a concussion. I am really glad I did not uh, I did not tweet d- stupid mean shit about that about those matches. Then. She was she was in she went to the hospital. Uh, so she's fine. She's fine. Um, but she had a concussion, which, yeah, she's not going to. That explains why she thought the one Japanese girl was the other one. Well, she was just like, oh, there's a person. I'm just going to run at them. You know, you don't. You, I've had concussions. You don't you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you're, you're just kind of like following base instincts. And mm-hmm. hoping it works. Um, but you're 
you're you're constantly fighting that suspension of disbelief you know in some matches it doesn't matter because people are like you know certain matches you don't care that you know oh someone's gonna win and someone's you know who's gonna lose you know who's gonna win and sometimes it doesn't bother me because i'm just interested in seeing you know on on a yeah kind of the point is how are they gonna do it right but there's nothing else that at like that moment you talked you talked about when you were talking about watching the G1 in Dallas and that mm-hmm. moment when Sonata wins and everyone or almost everyone in the arena just stands up and yells yeah when gosh, Sonata gets Sonata gets a flash win over Zack Saber Jr who Zack Saber Jr Zack Saber Jr had the advantage the entire match and was like basically outpacing Sonata with his submissions and then Sonata suddenly boop Switches, gets a flash pin on him. Zaber, Zack Sabre Jr. is upset because he is angry. He wasn't supposed to lose. He's better than Sonata. Submissions that Sonata, Sonata beat him at his own game. And everyone in the arena just, just stands up and yells. <laughs> and it's not – there was no conscious decision where, oh, Sonata – when Sonata wins, if Sonata wins, I'm going to stand up and yell. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think that. No one did. They just did it. They just everyone just, and all together we just went. Rah! We're so happy. That, that's that's what really is so beautiful and interesting about what pro wrestling is. Is like really even at its fundamental level, it's about finding those weird fucking buttons inside your brain and doing that. And it you know and it's like we're watching pro wrestling it is as an adult you're it's it you know there's the constant challenge of like oh that punch didn't look real oh that kick didn't look real mm-hmm. oh that's clearly staged etc cetera, etc cetera. but when it is when it is as good as it can be when it is sublime it is watching something in front of you that is that is better than any than better than any fight in any movie in any action yes. movie ever yeah, and I, that that is a thing that I really like about this. That it it even on the first pages it starts off with, you know, it's not it's not competition, but it's that's that's why it's good, and I I love that about it. You know, it it that it is a manufactured product, like you know, sports and competition. These things are all really great, but you might get those moments. This is quite literally manufactured to just create them evoke emotion yeah exactly and it's god it's just it's so good yeah and it's this book i think is a great is a great primer it's a great refresher for anyone who knows some of the stuff and it's beautiful to look at it's really cool seeing all of these wrestlers seeing so many wrestlers represented so many guys that you're like oh right they got they they got all these they got everyone in there basically like i can't like every single person i expected was in here and more and it even if it's just one one time in one page they have they have the moment with robocop and sting in here and I, I i love that i think if 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 they're gonna do like i i hope i hope i hope robocop is in being the elite but i hope that happens that would that would fill me with such stupid joy oh oh are you ready for the entire internet to go that was stupid i will fucking punch the entire internet in the ass 
They are wrong. <laughs> Being the elite, that motherfucker put a DVD in an instant pot. He did. That that fucking oh, shit is I loved it so much. That shit is so fucking dumb and it's great. Like like fucking like dude, don't get on your high horse. Wrestling is fucking stupid. Just fucking let it happen. It's beautiful. Um, but I what the hell is that? Oh, this book it it is a great primer. It is a great refresher for for fans of wrestling. And if you aren't familiar with histories of wrestling before, you know when, when basically ever for anything you don't know about the history of wrestling, this will tell you. It will it will explain probably how you think certain things happened are is wrong. It'll mm-hmm. it, it'll dispel some myths, which I think is important when you're discussing it like because when i'm just talking about pro wrestling i'm looking at it just like i when i'm you know when i'm how i dissect a movie or a comic book or a novel you know i i'm looking at it as an art form and too often i think people are like i think it's important to know context it is important to know the canon so to speak just like in literature or comic books or or film you need to be you to to really be able to judge anything going forward you need to know what has happened prior you have to understand the kind of the context of things and how you know how different wrestlers put matches together how matches are worked and a lot of that is influenced by stuff that happened in the past and how gimmicks have been done in the past like they talk about the history of of how hulk hogan became hulk hogan and how he was just basically you know multiple other dudes gimmicks and he just because he's so charismatic it worked with him and he was so big but, you know, and the same thing with Ric Flair. He was not the first nature boy. But, you know, he's the most famous one. But this book really illustrates it really well. It's really well put together. It is not – it's dense, but it reads fast, honestly. You know, I yeah. – I, despite how dense it is, you know, it, it has a lot of information on every page. But I still I feel I, – I, here's, a, here's a question. I, I personally don't think – a non-wrestling fan can get through this. I think you have to at least have some passing interest. Like if you watched it in the eighties or nineties or the attitude era or something, and you picked this up, well, no, I would then maybe you can get through it. I feel like this is not a book that I could hand someone that says like, why do you like professional wrestling? I could not give them this. No, I, this is step two to me. This is more like step five. Well, to me, Step one is what what if I tell you what pro wrestling is, what is your reaction? And if are you interested in watching something that might change your mind if you don't like it? And then, mm-hmm. I, then I'd be like, well, what excites you in general? Like, what kind of fiction do you like? Do you like comedies? Do you like action movies? Do you like serious stuff? Do you like silly stuff? And then from then show them wrestling that they will make that will go. Oh, I like that. I suddenly and then they go. Oh, I like pro wrestling. And then after they like pro wrestling they figure out oh actually i like some pro wrestling then you go oh well and then when they whenever they are inquisitive enough to know i want to know more about like the history of pro wrestling then you give them this book i would not i i the way to make people like change someone's mind or whatever about pro wrestling is not to give them a comic book it is to make them watch good pro wrestling that Mm -hmm. that that appeals to them i think this book is a very good much like hey oh you like pro wrestling now here is something if you do you like comic books here's a really good comic book that will explain where a lot of the strange things about 
I really like that this book also doesn't makes no claim to know what kayfabe, where the hell the word kayfabe came from, because <laughs> no one knows. No one does. Everyone uses it. No one knows where it came from. All these other words, everyone knows where they came from. Everyone knows what a gimmick, why they use the word gimmick, why they use the word angle, why they use the word mark, all those things. No one knows why the hell the word kayfabe come from, comes from, and I love the word kayfabe as well. And that the book, the books is like indeterminate origin. Yeah, no one knows what. No one knows where the hell that some, word came from. Some old carny bullshit's what it is. Probably yeah. And you can, I mean, you can dial back a lot of what wrestling came from. Just like, hey, it's old carny bullshit. Mm-hmm. No, it it's definitely. I mean, you can you can see the ghosts of old carny bullshit in fucking all this poor shit. The other traditions, it's a little more washed out the american tradition it's 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 inside it's pretty loud i mean all of any any you go to any country any japanese or mexican or british or whatever you still see all their their origins of all this stuff Mm -hmm. you still see you still understand exactly where like it's very clear like oh that guy's a bad guy no kidding usually like minoru suzuki is it ever like you look at minoru suzuki is there even a question, like a second, where you go, "Oh, he's a good guy"? No, he looks I like mean, a murderer. I, I, you know, I had fond memories of my murder grandpa. <laughs> you know, I loved him. Um, I would wholeheartedly recommend this to anyone who is curious about the history of pro wrestling or is a pro wrestling fan. They should read this comic book. Go get it. It's uh, it's really good. Citizen's really good. I wholeheartedly love uh, Moreno's cartooning. I, I admire this quite a lot, and this this book uh, is probably one of the reasons that I did my um, my Inktober project last mm-hmm. October. I was thinking about just how good this looked. It it it's it's really quite impressive, even with all the fucking recycling that he's doing. I it doesn't really matter. He still has done a tremendous ass job with this. Um, is there anything else you want to add? No, we've probably gabbed a lot. It could have been worse. Um, it's always, it's always, that's always me. It, it, it could be worse. It could, it, it could, you know, we could be covered in piss. It could smell like piss in here. Yeah. Um, oh, and jokes. Um, that was the comic book story of professional wrestling by Ivory Citizen and Chris Moreno. Next time in Nerd Boy Book Club, uh, in two weeks time, we'll be discussing the first half of Why the Last Man. So the first five trades, first 31 issues, we're going to finally discuss why The Last Man. There's been a lot of talk about, about a television show lately. It's been for years now, on and off again. Are they making a TV show for Why The Last Man? Yes, no, yes, no. Um, but we're finally going to talk about it. Some, I don't know, certainly the first time I heard Brian K. Vaughn's name was yeah. in response to Why The Last Man. It clearly was for me, too. Yeah. Um, but we'll be talking about that next time. Hope you guys can read along with us if you'd like. Um, before we go, lots of stuff you can check out. Let's see. Our website is HandsomeBoysComicsHour.com. You find links to everything there at Facebook, Facebook.com slash HandsomeBoysComicsHour. Twitter at HBCHour. Uh, you can email us at HandsomeBoysComics at gmail.com. If you like the show, please check out no, – please check out. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you use. Give us a good review Tell your friends, subscribe, all those things help us out, help us find new listeners. Uh, also, Eric and I did an interview for uh, in uh, pod people column at WMQComics.com. 
So if you want to go hear us, you know, read us, talk about the inception of the podcast and what we think about stuff, podcasting, <laughs> comic books. You want to shoot interview. Shoot interview. On our, there you on go. Our podcast. Yeah, you can go check that out. I'll have the link in the show notes in there for that. If you want, you can also go to either our Twitter Twitter uh, Twitter accounts, and we all have links in our Twitter accounts as well. If you want to find that there. Um, speaking of, you can find me online on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. You can also go to my website. It's robbiedorman.com. You can find a link there to my debut horror novel. Conquest is about a small northwestern mountain town in the midst of a culture war besieged by werewolves and wildfires. You can read for free with Kindle Unlimited. Righteous. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? Oh, that's a good question, my dude. Uh, I have a portfolio that's available on freewillunlimited.com. You can see that and many of the other things I get up to by going to ericzgoodnight.com. Uh, that includes my Instagram and my Twitter. On both services, I am known as Easy Goodnight. Letter E, letter Z, Goodnight. With well, that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.